Hey, all you nature nerds. This is You're Gonna Die Out There. fine nature people welcome back to oh, another wow. episode this is a full episode full today. full apparently megan had like 60 pages of notes heavy um, whipping cream full <laughs> full and fat. she's narrowed it down um hopefully or else we're gonna be here for a while so i'm excited to hear your story <laughs> buckle in <laughs> yeah i did i i whittled it down uh-huh from like 59 pages to 19 Good. Okay. All right. So That's... good job, me. Good job. Yeah, it was a lot. And I have no idea what you're talking about, so I'm I'm excited. So yeah, if you listen to our previous Nature Nugget, you will know that I have been watching the X Files. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've been watching the X Files, a little rewatch action. Mm-hmm. No lie, my next couple episodes will be about things that I saw on the X Files. It's all up in your head. It's just in my brain. You got Scully and Mulder just like floating yes. around in your brain. The X-Files has abducted my brain. <laughs> if you will. <laughs> if you will. And so today we're going to be talking about alien abductions. Okay. All right. Okay. Wait. So let me just say that remember some of you who've listened to a lot of our episodes or remember back when I was talking about how I like that show, The Dead Files? Yes. Okay. I think why I like it, and we'll just relive this real quick, Yeah, is that so there's like the retired homicide detective, right? right, right, right. He's yeah. a detective. Yeah. And then you've got your medium, Yeah. right? And then you have people that'll be like, come help us. We have ghosts. We're scared. Our life is crazy. So what will happen is He'll go out and he'll do all this investigation on the property mm-hmm. and anything that happened around there. And he'll collect all that. Like scientific data. or Like, like research. Like, yeah, like crime Like an stuff. investigation, yes. right? So yeah, he'll yeah, see yeah. if anybody died around there or it goes all the way back to like even Native American like wars or anything crazy, you know, that happened bad right. around there. And then she'll come in at night. I don't know why it's always at night. Because it's creepier. It's for the drama. And they do like the night Night vision vision kind of thing. So it looks more creepy. And she'll walk around in the house and she'll be like, there's this old lady over here talking about ghosts and things. Mm -hmm. So sometimes, and I'm all like, okay. And it's fun sometimes how it aligns when they get together at the end. And then he'll be like this and she'll be like this. And so she'll get sketches made of things that she saw. Yeah. So they'll compare it. Sometimes he'll have an actual picture of somebody and then she'll bring, you know, and then they match up. And And sometimes they do. And it's crazy. And it's fun. Mm -hmm. Regardless, I like the history side of it. But sometimes she'll be like, there's aliens here and they've been abducting you guys. And sometimes I'm like, I don't know. I always get a little like, really? You're like, why are you ruining your mediumness for me? I'm like, but <laughs> the, the, one of the episodes not too long ago, she talked about the Native American thing that like steals people. It's got a name. The chupacabra? No. Might uh, be. Like, like the, the one that's like, uh, like the no skin thing. Yeah. Uh, oh my God. I, I can like see the episode of Supernatural that they did in the first season. Right. On it. And I cannot remember the name. 
But like it doesn't have skin or something. It's something like that. Yeah, she talks yeah. about skin walkers yeah. and those things. And then, yeah, then the alien abduction one. And it was like, I'm like watching it and looking for the people's reaction. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, that seems about right. <laughs> and she's like, no matter where you go, sure. what you do, this sure. is just your life now. Just You are always going to be abducted by these aliens because they are. They've marked you. You're, yeah. You have a tiny chip someplace in you. Yeah, they're just going to keep like probing your orifices, (laughs) you know, and it's really creepy. And I'm like, is this, I'll leave it right there and tell you that it is a head scratcher for me. I can't, I haven't been able to quite get there. Mm -hmm. It's not that I don't believe people. Sure. But. Well, I mean, I'll talk about it later. I believe that people believe. Yes, absolutely. Do I believe? Uh, right not okay. so much so okay. yeah let's uh, well, let's start out let's start out with some fun i mean can i say these are fun facts not really statistics <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> let's go with these i mean they're not really that fun they're necessarily just, they're not like yeah they're facts gonna, they're facts you could still use them at your next party oh for sure okay did you know that between 1949 and 1969 there were a total of 12,618 ufo sightings no the Air Force investigation began in 1948. So this was in the U.S. Okay. And the first investigation, they called it Project Sign, which I guess it's like a sign of UFO. I don't know. It was later renamed, and I love this name, Project Grudge. Like, <laughs> why? And then it became Project Blue Book in 1953. Okay. So of all the sightings reported, 11,917 were explained. So they were either like balloons from China, satellites, <laughs> from Russia, <laughs> aircraft, you know, some kind of, right, right, yeah, right. like they're doing maneuvers at night by a military base. And they're like, oh, no, that's a thing. There were also other sightings that were caused by like lightning reflections, just crazy weather. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, hoaxes, you know, just people doing random stuff like a flashlight or whatever. And then I'm oh, like people hoax. with their drones in 19. <laughs> yeah. <No. laughs> yeah. No. And then there were also just weird things happening astronomy wise, like certain stars being in a certain place or comets. yeah, comets. There but plenty of things. Okay. Mm-hmm. So 701 of them though remain unidentified. Did they go into day. a file? An X file? Of Possibly. They X them out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The term UFO was first used in 1947. So a year before this group got together. I mean, I, it makes sense because they would have to have like explain what they were doing in these groups. Project Something Sign. was flying in the air. We don't know what it was. It was unidentified. Mm-hmm. It was flying. It was an object. We don't know. We don't know. It's great. A secret panel was developed to investigate UFO sightings in 1953 by the CIA It was called the Robertson Panel and was headed by H.P. Robertson, who was a physicist at the California Institute of Technology in Pasadena, California, and included other physicists, I think one astronomer and a rocket engineer. And the Robertson Panel met for three days. That's it. Three days. And was briefed on military activities and intelligence. So they got all of the things, Mm -hmm. the whole picture, Mm -hmm. right? They also reviewed films and photographs of different UFOs, like people had taken, you know, grainy pictures because it's uh, the 50s. Their conclusions were that UFOs were not a direct threat to national security and that most UFO reports could be explained as known aerial objects. So again, when we say UFO, we're not necessarily talking about aliens. We're just saying it's an unidentified flying object. Yeah. We just don't know what it was. Yeah. August 4th, 2020, the Department of Defense came up with the term UAP or Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, which kind of, I feel like, expanded the UFO Mm -hmm. definition because now we're talking about not just objects, but like things that happen. 
phenomena. Yes. If you watch uh, Unsolved Mysteries, yeah, they have the one about all the lights in the sky. So right. it's like more than one thing. Yeah. And there, there, there's always those stories about people in like one town and everybody saw the same thing, but yes. no one can figure out what it is. That's, yeah. yeah, that was that. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> they then put together a task force to detect and analyze UAPs that could potentially pose a threat to national security. So 100 percent, the Department of Defense is like, doesn't matter where it comes from. Mm-hmm. Is it going to attack us? Mm-hmm. Right. Because that's their mindset. Right. That's their number one mission. Right. Defend. <clears throat> National security. Yes. There was an, quote, advanced aerospace threat identification program in 2007. This was a top secret mission that began at the Pentagon to study UFOs or UAPs. Even though this program ended in 2012, it was suggested that the investigation of UFOs still continues to this day under this. But of course, it's top secret. So I don't know. We don't know anything. We don't know if it's real. Right. Numerous scientists stationed in Antarctica have seen UFOs. There have been a lot of claims and strange sightings over the continent that seem mysterious. Most of them can be explained, again, by weather, balloons, or geographical ice patterns. Mm. Reflections. Aurora Borealis. That's right. Except I don't think it's in the south, is it? It's only in the Arctic. Is that right? Oh, Aurora is it? Borealis. I don't know. I don't know. We probably talked about it probably. on a previous episode. I don't yeah. retain information well, if you guys haven't figured that out yet. Love it. That's why there's Google. Ancient Roman scholars wrote about strange aerial sightings way back in the day. The historian Livy wrote about Arpis shields, Arpis, A-R-P-I-S, shields that were seen in the sky 2,000 years ago. They were described as the sun battling the moon. Of course, I think at this point we might be talking about eclipses. mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, thousands of Americans have taken out insurance against aliens. I what? did not know you could even do this. There's and, insurance for okay, that? I just want to say that this just proves that uh-huh. insurance is evil. Yeah. As preposterous as it seems, there are a great number of people who have taken out insurance against being abducted by aliens. One insurance broker, Mike St. Lawrence, has been selling this insurance for 34 years. He sells the $10 million alien abduction insurance policy for just the low, low price of $24.95 a month. We're in the wrong business. We are. I did not know this. Astrobiology is the official science of extraterrestrial life. So it combines like biology, astrology, astronomy, like all the things. Maybe not astrology. The earliest recorded UFO sighting in America was in 1639. This was by the Puritan John Winthrop the governor Mm -hmm. of Massachusetts Bay Colony. He wrote about a strange sighting in the sky in 1639. He wrote that James Everill, a sober man, witnessed a flaming light in the sky that was about three yards square while in a boat with a couple of friends. When the light moved, it looked like a large swine. Then, when the light finally faded away, the three men in the boat were stunned to find themselves one mile upstream as if the light had transported them there. In 1960, scientists tried to communicate with aliens through a project called Project Ozma. Which okay. I was like, is that is that like the basis for the movie Contact? Like, is that part? Oh, of Oh, where they had Cosmo? all the, sa- the all the like Jody things. Foster. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. Scientists have sent aliens a mixtape, which I kind of thought this was cute. I all think right? I've heard about this. Well, I yeah. know there's different music and things that they send out there. Choose, yeah, yeah. Those so are like some Elvis or some different. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if I put it in here. I don't think I have what they actually sent the music in particular. But in 1977, NASA created a mixtape, quote unquote, to send to aliens. It consisted of two LP records with tracks of global music, greetings in different languages, and sounds of the planet. The LPs were attached to two robotic probes that were launched that year to 
to send assigned to extraterrestrial civilizations that we exist. So they were just like loaded up this robot and shot it out into space. I imagine like, okay, what if there were an alien that got it and they like play it and it's just like that's their planet's like whale sounds. You know what I mean? Uh huh. It's just like listen to this crazy world music. From, well, I wonder if all the they Earth. sent was like human stuff, or if they sent sounds of birds and animals. And I would hope. I mean, it says sounds of the planet. Like, we're the only ones that matter, right? Yeah. It's just cars beeping. <laughs> it's They're just, like, "This is awful. Never go here." <laughs> parents arguing. Yeah. Yeah. The Pentagon got hundreds of new reports of UFOs in 2022. Officials say they believe the rise in UAP or UFO reports is due to the U.S. government trying to designate the topic of UAP. Instead, they want to recognize the potential risks as both an aviation hazard and potential foreign surveillance efforts. So I know that in the last couple of years, the U.S. government has published reports kind of like, yeah, okay, we've seen some stuff. We can't explain it. They don't ever say it's aliens. They're like, this is a file of some weird shit. Yeah. 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 So I'm just saying, I think that those things are coming out. Like people are, all these FOIA requests mm-hmm. and they're like, wow, this is crazy. Like aliens exist, but it, at nowhere, at no point, I just want to say, does Do the government say, say yeah. there are extraterrestrials? Now, unidentified flying objects or UAPs, 100%. Yeah. There's things that you can't. We don't know. You can't identify. You can't identify them. Mm-hmm. There have been more UFO sightings in northern states in the U.S. than southern states. You are more likely to see a strange sighting in the sky if you live in Washington, Montana, Vermont, Alaska, and Maine. Random. Or Finland. Or Finland, yeah. That's true. <laughs> All of those states have the most recorded sightings, whereas southern states like Texas, Louisiana, Georgia, Mississippi, and Alabama have the least. I want to know why. I really want to know what it is about the difference. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. what is it? Because there are lots of farms all over the We're going to talk about farms today, but like there are lots of farms. What's the difference? I don't know. Maybe just people in the southern states are like, yeah, it's an alien. You know, <laughs> like they're like, don't they worry just, about it. They just blow it off. <laughs> they just blow it off. They don't report it. Yeah. That's not reportable. Everybody gets an alien encounter. Huh, I wonder. Right. Mm. And Jen, if you are so inclined to celebrate World UFO Day is July 2nd. Okay. Just that's... two days before my birthday. Mm-hmm. So that's fun. Piggybacking on these fun facts, this next section that I have is from a live science article that I read. It was entitled Things We've Learned in 2021 About Aliens. Number one, UFOs are real. And then this is the point at which I say the Pentagon released a highly anticipated report detailing 144 UFO encounters between 2004 and 2021. And this is where they're just like, what is the threat? What are these unidentified things? How are they threatening us? And like I said, none of them linked it to any kind of alien activity. They do say it's it's a nine-page assessment. They do say most of the UAP reported probably do represent physical objects, but not necessarily aliens. Anyway. Ask the people who've been abducted. That's right. Uh, the second point I thought was really interesting. Black holes could be alien powerhouses. Ew, I really have a hard time with that whole... Black holes? Yeah. Yeah, it's mind-boggling. Yeah, you can't... I. That's it. Yeah. It's too much for our little brains. Our tiny brains. Mm-hmm. Based on a study published in the journal Monthly Notices of the Royal Astronomical Society, the authors warned that black holes can radiate up to 100,000 times more energy than a star like our sun. They may make tempting targets for alien civilizations looking to power their interstellar enterprises. That's a hard thing to say. Mm -hmm. Their ships or whatever. Aliens could use high-tech structure called Dyson spheres. 
never heard of this, giant energy siphoning orbs, I guess, that were first proposed in the 1960s. Mm -hmm. So they would use these Dyson spheres to steal energy from a disk of hot white matter swirling around a black hole's horizon. So I guess there's like the black hole. And then Mm -hmm. around the edge of the black hole is this like a lot of energy, white hot matter has a lot of energy in it. Mm-hmm. And they could use that. I guess they would utilize these Dyson spheres, which now really makes me think about the company Dyson. Who's who sat around who came and thought of this? I assume astrophysicists or like people who spend they're a lot like, of time looking out at space. They're like, this is what it is. Mm. This is what's happening. So, yeah, they would take that energy and then radiate it out into space. And then I guess we would be able to look at the energy that was radiated out into space because it's on a distinct wavelength. And so there would be like astronomers who could look out and see that wavelength and be like, oh, that's from the energy of a black hole that aliens are using to get energy from. This is why I failed <laughs> astronomy. <laughs> but, well, almost failed. Right. I had to drop it. So I was like, I don't, I can't. That's the theory, right? Is uh-huh. that this energy that aliens will use and then send out into the universe will be able to detect it. But we don't have the algorithms, the math like currently now to be able to identify those wavelengths. So there are scientists who are working on the algorithms to identify the wavelengths. I like it how we always assume that aliens are way smarter than us. Right? It's true. What if there's some out there and some other planet that are just not even? Well, it's good. It's interesting you bring that up because the next one is alien planets may look nothing like Earth. And this is is where I'm like, okay, I kind of agree with this. Okay. Okay, There's this study that was published in the Astrophysical Journal um, in August of 2021. It says Hycean planets, which are up to 2.5 times larger than Earth, with huge oceans of liquid water beneath hydrogen-rich atmospheres, they could be the ideal spot for microbial life, similar to like what we find in hot springs or like hydrothermal vents, right? Or Mm -hmm. like salt, like heavily salt, right? There's always those microbes who can just exist in these random environments. Right. And a lot of those are like similar to when like our Earth was created, like these ancient kind of things, primordial soup, if you will. Mm -hmm. And authors say not only are these planets abundant in the Milky Way galaxy, but they're also incredibly diverse, some orbiting very close to their host star, others orbiting far away, but both could potentially host itty bitty pieces of life. Right. And I'm like, 100%. I completely agree with that. Yes. And that's alien life. That's alien life. But it's not the alien that's going to come and poke your butt your butt. butt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, one of Saturn's moons still holds potential for life. So it has a global ocean. This moon is called, I'm going to really F this up. I'm sorry. Let's do it. Enceladus. All right. All right. Or Enceladus, maybe. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. It has a, a global ocean, a unique chemistry, and internal heat. It has its own heat. And they feel like it's a promising lead for the search of new life in different places in the universe. Okay. There's a new study. Researchers ran a series of models to determine whether those compounds that are found on that moon could be evidence of microbes that, quote, eat dihydrogen and produce methane as waste. The team found that methane farting microbes could indeed be contributing to the planet's gassy geysers. So that's like the, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, it's a moon actually, meaning that you can't rule out life. They're like I mean, cows. Just tiny, tiny cows. Just burping out. Just toots all over the place. Tooting and burping methane. And that's how life came to be. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hold it in. Just let it go. <laughs> yeah. You're creating life. That's right. Number five, scientists may be ignoring, quote, alien junk. 
in our own solar system. According to a Harvard astrophysicist, Avi Loeb, who wrote a recent book, Extraterrestrial, colon, The First Sign of Intelligent Life Beyond Earth, published in January 2021. Yes, ma'am, your hand is raised. Any relation to Lisa Loeb? <laughs> I wish. I don't know. Okay. Well, just, let's just say they are. Let's say they're just like cousins. I'm sure. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so Avi says the strange cigar-shaped object Oumuamua, uh, which zoomed through our solar system in 2017, is almost certainly a piece of alien technology possibly jettisoned into our solar system accidentally. So I guess this was kind of like a cigar-shaped object mm -hmm. that went flying around and people saw it and they were like, oh, that's so random. Is that human technology? We don't know. Anyway, I'm just thinking of a cigar shaped thing flying through the air. Right. And all the things people might say. Oh, for sure. It's just so great. <laughs> I found this story a little creepy. Thousands of alien worlds could have watched humans grow up. While human efforts to find alien civilizations among the stars have only kicked off in the last century or so, more than 1,700 alien civilizations could have been watching us for thousands of years prior. According to a study published in June 2021 in the journal Nature, 1,715 nearby star systems have had a perfect viewing angle of Earth over the last 5,000 years, and more than 1,400 of them still have a clear view today. So I guess if there were possibly these other places, maybe we have like a whole like, what is that movie with Jim Carrey, Truman's Life or Life of Truman or whatever it was? Yeah. Yeah. Like what we're was just that called all right. Truman Show. The Truman Show. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that like that's what we're experiencing right now. We're just in a fishbowl, basically. You know what? Maybe, maybe there's some really popular show that's just about us. It's very Gary Larson, -esque. right? For I sure. Like <laughs> Number seven. There's no best way to communicate with aliens. So we've been communicating mostly with radio waves because. I, okay, and I'm trying, I really like tried to simplify the language about this radio wave thing because, again, this is like a black hole situation where I'm like, right. I don't know. So, yeah, we've been sending out these radio waves to communicate with extraterrestrials because the radio waves apparently fit in this gap, a very small, convenient gap in the electromagnetic spectrum. It's called the water hole and it's relatively free of any background noise, like no white noise, whatever. So, it's like supposed to be a very clear radio wave that we send out messages on into the universe that hopefully, you know, alien extraterrestrial mm -hmm. life will pick up and like communicate with us. The downside about this radio wave is that as they travel, they get more broad. And so they kind of like dilute out. It's distorted. It's distorted. Yeah. It's not as good as when the further mm -hmm. away from earth it gets, the more dilute it gets. But there is the possibility of using laser lights like lasers, essentially, to send out messages into the into the A universe. Laser, <laughs> but the downside about laser signals is that they have to be really direct. Like they have to be specifically to a point. You can't just like send right. them out anywhere. You have to know where you're going to send them, or you're going to miss whatever. It, like they're going to be so pointed. So there's there's not really a good way. So much like Doctor Evil in my head right now. <laughs> Between that and the flying cigar, I'm just like mm. I feel you. I feel you. Mm -hmm. uh, number eight, our own technology might be getting in the way. On April 29th, 2019, astronomers detected a signal beaming toward Earth. It seemed from Proxima Centauri, which is the nearest star system to our sun and home to at least one potentially habitable 
planet. Because the signal fell into a narrow band of radio waves that are rarely made by human aircraft or satellites, researchers interpreted it as a possible sign of alien technology. So everybody was like, holy shit. This is it. This is it. Finally. Yeah, but the signal never repeated. It only happened like once. And so there was a study that was published October 2021 in the journal Nature Astronomy, and it explains why the signal was actually coming from a malfunctioning computer or cell phone located near the telescope. No. (laughs) So the alien message was just some computer on the fritz. But the upside is that scientists can study that sound and make sure because now they'll be able to say like, oh, no, that's just a cell phone. Or just somebody's app on their cell phone. Yeah. It was like that thing that used to happen when you would be getting a text and you were like near a TV or something and it'd be like, nah, 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 nah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. What was that? I mean, 2019 wasn't that long ago. Not that long ago. Yeah, but I don't think there was like TikTok yet. I just feel bad for... I know. Those scientists who probably were like stoked. Yes. Like, holy shit, you guys. So excited. Announced it all over the place. It's just Bob. And then found out it was like freaking Bob's cell phone. Bob. Why'd you leave your cell phone here to do What year's your cell phone? It's like some old flip phone, right? (laughs) (laughs) And they're just like, come on. All right. Some old Nokia. (laughs) It was actually just like the sound that you said, like when you would call an old Nokia, just like that call sound. Yeah, I can't think of it right now. I've actually been trying to think of it. (laughs) That's amazing. Number nine, alien, quote, abductions could be lucid dreams. And I kind of feel this way about abductions. But lucid dreaming in which, so that's when you're like partially awake, but you can control what you're doing during your sleep. That could explain alien abduction stories. So there was a study that was done recently. The scientists prompted 152 lucid dreamers to dream about encounters with aliens or UFOs, and they found that a number of those sleepers reported dreams that resembled actual descriptions of alleged alien abductions. Of those who described their dream encounters as realistic, 24% also experienced sleep paralysis and intense fear. Such emotions often accompany reports of supposed alien abductions, and though individuals who describe being kidnapped by aliens might truly believe that what they experienced was real, these people were likely experiencing an extraterrestrial meeting while in a lucid dream. Hmm. Just something to think about. The people who believe they've seen it would be very angry with that. Yeah, probably. I get it. I've ha- I've totally had a sleep paralysis that, you know, you get like stressed out or you don't sleep enough and you have like a really like super vivid dream and you're like, wow, did that really happen? You know? Yeah, but, but I think some of them had marks on their bodies and other things, right? Sure. Yeah. So I'm just saying. Did you ever see the movie? Was it like Fire in the Sky or some? That sounds. But it's about yeah. a guy who was abducted maybe in the 70s or 80s or something. Uh, and his story. All the things. And he was with other people that saw it happen. Oh. He like got like a big bright light and like he disappeared. And then he came back and he was like dropped on the road naked. <laughs> and he had things done to him. Things done to him. Yeah. I don't know. And they did lie detector, like... All the things, All yeah. the things to all the guys, and they all passed. I will say, though, that lie detectors can be passed. If people truly like believe it. If you truly believe it, it's true to you. Mm-hmm. So, or if you're just, like, really good at lying. Or if, like, the government did it. Right. We'll go on. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. Okay. Anyway, okay. I thought it would be good at this point to talk about the actual states of an alien abduction. 
like what happens in an alien abduction. Oh, I thought you meant like which states. Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, alien abduction, in case you didn't know, also called abduction phenomenon or alien abduction syndrome or UFO abduction, refers to the phenomenon of people reporting the experience of being kidnapped by an unusual figure subjected to physical and psychological experimentation. People who say they have been abducted are called abductees or experiencers. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I, you know, because like they experience it's a little more something. broad, a little more broad. Get to experience other things, right? I mean. Typical claims involve forced medical examinations, usually on reproductive systems. Okay. Warnings against environmental abuses and the dangers of nuclear weapons, interspecies breeding, and my. <laughs> sorry, you just really looked at me. Mind control plots are also a very common claim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Though abduction reports are worldwide, most come from English-speaking countries, especially the good old U.S. of A. All right, all <laughs> yeah. right. So a lot of UFO abduction claims started around like like late 1950s, early 1960s. They hit like a surge in the 1970s and then have since kind of been declining and are pretty, I'm not like rare, but they're like less than they used to be. And I guess some skeptics believe that this is because there is readily available technology today where you should be able to film something or capture something or be able to show some kind of proof that's indisputable mm-hmm. and very clear. And so they feel like this is making the burden of proof much higher for people to say that they've been abducted. And by no aliens. one's been able to do that. Yeah. Okay. Although abduction and other UFO-related reports are usually made by adults, sometimes young children report similar experiences. Those children often report very specific details in common with reports of abductions made by adults, including like the circumstances in which it happened, the whole narrative, the whole story they tell, the entities that they saw, and the aftermath of the alleged occurrences. Many times those children have had family members who have previously reported being abducted as well. Family involvement in the military or residence near a military base is also common mm. among child abduction claimants. Mm. I don't like the child abduction ones because no. it makes me think of other things. It's, yeah. There are some differing opinions on the mental health of abductees. So there's like basically two schools of thought. There's this woman, Elizabeth Slater. She conducted a blind study of nine abduction claimants and found them to be prone to, quote, mild paranoid thinking, nightmares, and having a weak sexual identity. While Richard McNally of Harvard Medical School concluded in a similar study of 10 abductees that, quote, none of them was suffering from any sort of psychiatric illness. So, yeah, those are the two schools of thought, basically, that they do have something mentally unstable about them or they don't <laughs> like, i guess that's two schools of thought that's it <laughs> either you're crazy or you're not yeah that's kind of i feel like that's what they're saying there's no in between and i want to know like were the people that elizabeth looked at and the people that richard were they the same people just he had right. two extras like what what was it you know what what was different about these groups of people you know like did she get her group from from like uh, a mental health institution i feel like you would have to do like brain scans and all kinds of stuff yes i would hope so to to see i mean yeah. to really look at that yeah what kind of study exactly was this yeah like how do they do it anyway mainstream scientists do not believe that events abductees report actually happen the way that they report them as happening but they do believe that a stable person who reports that they are an abductee believes what happened that their experiences were real so like i was saying basically like 
mainstream scientists are like, this didn't really happen. There are no aliens. But they believe but it. But we believe that you believe it. Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. It is. I feel sorry for those people. There's a political scientist, Michael Barkin, who never confirmed or denied his belief in alien abductions. He noted the links between radical po- uh, politics and conspiracy theories involving UFOs, alien visitation, environmental pollution, hidden groups, government, and world takeover. So he made a link between people who get abducted and QAnon and, believers, <clears throat> essentially. U- <laughs> UFO and alien-related conspiracy theories emerged in a far-right politics from the 1980s till today. So just mm. food for thought. Okay. According to Barkin, TV shows like The X-Files not only included aliens as part of cover-up conspiracies, which it does, with militias and black helicopters, but also featured the demonization of FEMA. I didn't know this. A common target of conspiracy theorists. Yeah, I didn't know this. Why is FEMA? What? Apparently, there is a major conspiracy of this group of like conspiracy theorists or millenarian. I don't think I'm saying millenarian. Okay. People. They allege that FEMA plans to incarcerate, quote, patriots suddenly in concentration camps during a disaster. I'm like, what? That's a head scratcher. (laughs) That's a real head scratcher. Hmm. I don't know. I just think about how when we first became peaceful. Yeah. They're like, actually, we just want to give you some tarps and some water. <laughs> and some fl- bags and bags of flour. Yes. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's all we want to do. That blew my mind. I've never heard about, I mean, probably I've never heard about this because I don't subscribe to conspiracy theory right. channels, but I'm just saying. I just ran across an article like today or yesterday. I didn't read it because I was like, eh. But it was about like they were looking at the brains mm-hmm. of people who fall into these you know, believing oh, yeah. these conspiracy theories and yeah. how they're they're just different. They like light up in different places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There are two early landmark abduction cases I'm going to talk about real quick. The first, it's kind of like the first recorded claim of an alien abduction like ever. I mean, not ever, ever, but maybe in modern times. I don't know. Uh, it occurred in the mid 1950s. People aren't entirely sure about the date, but Brazilian guys was in Brazil. Antonio Vias Boas, he did not receive much attention about this until several years after. And I read someplace that it was because there was like this doctor who came to meet with him who was also part of like this U.S. United States UFO group. And so he was like, oh, we got to get this out there. Okay. So it was like many years later. So what about ancient aliens? So yeah, there are... (laughs) (laughs) I do mention a little bit of that a little bit later. Okay. 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 So Antonio was out plowing fields. He's a farmer of like kind of like a big farm. He had a tractor. He's on his tractor. He was taken against his will by a group of ETs measuring about five feet tall. On their spaceship, he was put in a room where he saw some kind of gas come out of the walls, making him sick. Then, a very attractive female, naked, with long platinum blonde hair, fire red pubic hair, and deep blue cat eyes, came to him and forced him to have intercourse. I bet. I bet she did. (laughs) Her intentions were quite clear, to produce a human-alien hybrid that she would raise on her planet. Okay. After he got back, Antonio noted that he had burns on his body but didn't know how they had gotten there. And I guess this doctor... Where on his body? (laughs) It didn't say. Uh, I guess this doctor is the one who inspected him later Mm -hmm. and said, like, oh, these are radiation burns. But it was, like, way later. So I don't don't know. I'm not entirely sure on the validity of his story. I mean, it all sounds pretty... But I love (laughs) that it's just this naked... Fiery red pubic hair. Blonde, but, like, carpet does not match the drapes. Why the red pubic hair? I don't know. I'm just... Anyway. Maybe something he likes. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. 
The second claim had widespread publicity. It is the Betty and Barney Hill abduction case. I've heard of this Of 1961. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was actually made into a made-for-TV movie. It was broadcast in 1975. It stars James Earl Jones and Estelle Parsons. And this is considered the prototypical abduction case and was perhaps the first in which abductees described gray extraterrestrial beings. And people would, I guess, call aliens previously. Like, instead of little green men, it used to be little gray men, Mm -hmm. like grays. I guess, was like a thing people used to say. But there's a skeptic, Peter Rogerson. He says that from these experiences, a template was established that later abductees and researchers would rarely deviate from. So these first two experiences had very similar Mm storylines in which, you know, they were picked up, experimented on, taken back, and then later realized... Had some random alien sex. Things were probed. And yeah, they were just like sent back to Earth. Yeah. So let me tell you what the common points in abductee reports are. First, the person must be taken against their will by apparent non-human beings. Mm -hmm. They have to be taken to a special place perceived as an extraterrestrial spaceship or lab, something like that. They must experience being subjected to an examination or to engage in some form of communication with the beings or both. And the communication may be perceived, doesn't have to be, but it may be perceived as telepathic rather than verbal. And the memory of the experience may be conscious or, quote, recovered later through means, other means like hypnosis. Okay. So they generally will follow the sequence that I'm going to talk about now, but not all abductions will feature every single one of these events. So the first part is the capture, like being taken against their will. So the abductee is somehow rendered incapable of resisting and taken from terrestrial surroundings on Earth or just on the land, whatever, to an apparent alien spacecraft. Many times abductees will actually feel like something is going to happen to them. Like they'll have this sense of foreboding for like, it could be minutes or it could be like days. Right. They're just like, I'm going to be taken. I'm going to be taken, whatever. And then they have this experience where they're frozen, unable to fight back, mm-hmm. and then they're taken away. So the next part is the examination procedures. So the either invasive physiological or psychological procedures. On occasion... They'll have like simulated behavioral situations like training and testing or sexual liaisons. Mm -hmm. Commonly, these events will include things like imaging, which I was like, oh, they got like an MRI, (laughs) like an alien MRI. No, it's like a clockwork orange where they like make you look at images. Okay. They force you to look at images or they're going to be doing some kind of testing, which is testing. Okay. Mm, Taking things from you, putting things in you, whatever. Mm -hmm. Sometimes... I thought this was kind of a weird little thing that happens sometimes to abductees. They're shown a child and that child looks like a mix between alien and human. Like there are some human characteristics, but also some alien characteristics. And it's very like overlapping. And then during the examination period, you know, they're shown that child and then the child is like taken away. I mean, not hurt or anything, but it's just like... Like, look at this child. Also, during the examination testing part, the aliens are really cold and calculating. Like, they do not, they give zero shits about what's happening to you physically and how much fear that you are in. It sounds like these stages are like anxiety building up, Mm. sleep paralysis, Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then lucid dreams, and probably reliving something traumatic that happened in your past. Horrible. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm on that same wavelength. I mean, I'm not saying for everybody. Sure. No. You know what? For one day, maybe we'll be proved wrong. It's fine. I don't want that, (laughs) but I'm just saying, like, that is what it seems like, right? At face value, I feel you. Yeah. Uh, This next part is called conference. Okay. So, in this part, the captors, the aliens, 
if you will, they seem to change. They become more kind and they'll start communicating with the abductee. So either they're going to do the telepathic communication or they will directly talk in that person's language just to like have a conversation. Like, let's get to know each other. We just we just probed you. Let's have some pillow talk. Like, this is what it seems to be. <laughs> like, okay. And then after they do a tour. So after conference comes tour. So some abductees are given a tour of the vessel that they're in. Well, I mean, that's nice. That's sure. just hospitality right there. To me, it seems backwards. Right. From, Usually like, you'd you want to show tour first. the house first. You get the tour. You Welcome get the to my van. Yeah. Have a look around. <laughs> I'm going to abduct you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, yeah, this is backwards. So I guess some researchers dispute this. They say that this is... It's like people misunderstanding that they're just being taken from different parts of the vessel as they're like departing Mm -hmm. or if they're getting more tests done in different areas. Also, the tour is considered a rare occurrence. So Mm. I don't know what you have to do to get the tour. You have to pay extra. (laughs) You got to pay extra. (laughs) It's the backstage tour. Right? That's the backstage fast. Somehow you get those. You're lucky. Okay. So another common part of this abductee thread, if you will, is the loss of time. Abductees often rapidly forget the majority of their experience, either as a result of fear, medical intervention, or both. Mm -hmm. And then they get back and there's been nine minutes that's passed and they don't know where the hell they've been. In a dream. Yeah. And then they're returned. So, I mean, I guess the return and loss of time kind of happen simultaneously, Mm -hmm. but the abductees are returned to Earth occasionally in a different location from where they were allegedly taken Mm -hmm. or with new injuries or disheveled clothing. Or nakey butt. Or nakey butt. (laughs) Just covered in mud. Mm -hmm. And then there's this next part, which I don't really know how to say this right, but I think it's um, theophany. Okay. T-H-E-O-P-H-A-N-Y. So this is coinciding with their immediate return. Abductees may have a pronounced sense of love, a high, similar to those induced by certain drugs or a mystical experience, accompanied by a feeling of like a oneness with God, the universe, or their abductors. Whether this is a result of a metaphysical change, Stockholm syndrome, or prior medical tampering is often not scrutinized by the abductees at the time. So they have a little moment of euphoria. Mm-hmm. theophany i guess and then the aftermath so the aftermath is like could be you know an hour later right years later the abductee then realizes like this happened that's part of it the realization that the event occurred and then they must cope with the psychological physical and social effects of the experience that they had so Not they so say yeah, they say it's often the realization is often a single memorable experience, but not all abductees experience it as a distinct episode. So they might just get pieces of it over periods of time. Right. And of course, following the realization and the aftermath, they will uh, likely experience trauma and then have to recover from that trauma. And there's this thing called post-abduction syndrome. It's a term used by abductees to describe the events of of abduction, though it is not recognized by any professional treatment organizations. Just FYI. Okay. I mean, how many many people have been abducted, supposedly? I feel like I have that number here somewhere. Okay. It's it's not like a ton. Right. Like a thousand? Oh, I think it's more than a thousand. Okay. Yeah. All right. No, I mean, I'm just wondering, you know, like uh, how well they've mm. tested all these people. Sure. Well, and two, there's always, I mean, because you can't say they've been abducted, right? You can only say how many people have claimed to have been abducted. It's right. probably way more 
than like actually file a report. Like people who claim to have done something. Probably a lot of people, yeah, just mm-hmm. never, never uh, reported it. Right. I feel like if something like that happened, you wouldn't report it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the people on the, the show, the Dead Files, yeah. they weren't reporting anything like that. Mm-hmm. They were just like this weird things. So we're having this, this and that. Yeah. And and she was the one who was like, yeah, you're getting abducted by aliens. Right. And I literally like usually I have stuff on in the background and I'm working or cleaning <laughs> or doing whatever. I literally stopped and looked to see like. You're like, what? What are their faces <laughs> doing right now? Like, are they believing this or are right, they right. and the lady i remember <laughs> this lady and she was like oh uh, oh my gosh like um like it's like she really didn't know what to say <laughs> but the husband was just like yep <laughs> sounds right <laughs> i've been getting abducted i knew it i've been getting abducted for years i've been telling her yeah and she was all like biting her lip like oh yeah. It was it was awkward. Yeah, I do feel like there are people who will make claims to have been abducted, but if we're talking about like actual big reports where people are like I was abducted by an alien, you know, like uh-huh. like the things you might see on TV or you might read it in a magazine that's not the National Enquirer, you know what I mean? Like right. those kinds of things are I feel like not as often. Right. If you're not going on to conspiracy websites, probably not seeing them but the claims definitely it's got to be like hundreds of thousands of people yeah for sure people who have a false memory which makes them believe that they have been abducted by aliens develop symptoms similar to post-traumatic stress disorder so because we're not saying they're being abducted right but even if they believe this they are still going to have feelings of like ptsd from Mm -hmm. whatever experience that they experience whether or not it was in their mind or what someplace else Anyway, uh, people who believe that they've been abducted by aliens usually have previous new age beliefs, a vivid fantasy life, and suffer from sleep paralysis, according to a 2003 study by Harvard University. Okay. So, yeah, I'm of the I'm in the sleep paralysis category. You could get abducted. You know, it's it's true. I know when I'm that's the thing. I just want to say this. okay? because I know when I'm going to have sleep paralysis. I have a foreboding feeling of like, man, you didn't get enough sleep the night before. You're super stressed out about this thing. You're like, you didn't get your usual 12 hours. I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen tonight. Like, that's kind of, that kind of bites. And then, you know, you just like get through it. Yeah. You just just get through the abduction. I mean, sleep paralysis. It's totally fine. Anyway. Are you going to talk about, because another good um, alien movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's been a lot, right? But one of my favorites is Signs science right with mel gibson oh oh yeah that one that's and, uh, what's his name? Um, m night Shyamalan. yeah and what's his face uh joaquin phoenix yeah is it joaquin yeah joaquin yeah, yeah. phoenix man i had such a crush on him back then yeah he was so cute in that movie he honestly super cute in that movie yeah but anyway yeah no i'm not gonna talk about science but maybe we should do an episode on signs while you're at it we should you should that's with a, your X Files. Oh, just that. Just the, I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> just that one movie. We'll just talk about the movie signs. Just about the movie and how cute Joaquin Phoenix is in it when he's whispering to that kid while they're watching TV. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Anyway. Anywho, of course, after these people experience those different parts of being abducted, I'm using quotation marks. They like so many with trauma, mental health issues, right? They're going to probably seek out other people, like a support group, like people who've also experienced those things. They're going to try to find some people to talk to about how they're feeling, who also feel the same way, because validation is very important. 
Yes. For sure. And for abductees, those support groups began appearing in the mid-1980s throughout the United States, Canada, and Australia. So they're very popular alien so not abduction. just Americans. Not just Americans. Yeah, not yeah. just Americans. I don't know if I put it in here, but there's a, there's actually a webpage, I mean like a Wikipedia, mm-hmm. on alien ab- abductions where they've all been and it lists all the countries. And there are many more than the U.S. <laughs> just more in the U.S. Just more in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Or all like right. the reports. Okay. Yeah. Many alien abductees recall much of their alleged abductions through hypnosis, which, of course, skeptics say explains the abduction narratives as being false memories or suggestions. And also, I I think they're saying that because people have, especially, I feel like in our generations, right, like people have experienced the narrative of an alien abduction. Like, I feel like everybody knows you get captured, you get tested, you get returned. There's a time lapse. Everybody knows We've all seen the movies. We've all seen it. We know what happens. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like when we talk about hypnosis, you know, maybe you are retrieving memories of something that happened to you that was traumatic. Maybe you're covering that trauma with something that's a little more sci-fi. I can totally picture the gray men. Yeah. Exactly what they look like. 100%. We've seen it so many times. So many times. Yeah. What if someone had a, a like alien abduction story, but they were abducted by like tiny, tiny microbes? (laughs) <laughs> just so many of them they're like i don't know it was like all these little microbes floating around me and like carrying me up to their space <laughs> they had like tiny little scalpels. that's even more creepy i know yeah all right so i'm not going to go into the arguments of whether or not abductions are real again but i did like this thought that was from this literature professor terry matheson and he basically is saying that abduction stories are really popular and they appeal to a lot of people uh, because they are in- intrinsically absorbing. Quote, it is hard to imagine a more vivid description of human powerlessness. Uh, after experiencing the frisson of delightful terror one may feel from reading ghost stories or watching horror movies, Matheson notes that people can, quote, return to the safe world of their home, secure in the knowledge that the phenomenon in question cannot follow. But as the abduction myth has stated almost from the onset, there is no avoiding alien abductors. Wow. So they're just like fascinating, mm-hmm. fascinating stories that people can like, yeah, after you watch a horror movie, you, I mean, you're a little bit whatever, but you also feel like that couldn't happen to me. Right. That's fine. You feel safe from that. Yeah. And some writers have said that abduction experiences are really similar to pre-20th century accounts of demonic manifestations, noting as many as a dozen similarities. One notable example is the Orthodox monk Father Seraphim Rose, who devotes a whole chapter in his book, Orthodoxy and the Religion of the Future to the Phenomena of UFOs and Abductions, which he concludes are manifestations of the demonic. And I just want to point out here that many people have for centuries talked about sleep paralysis as being visited by a demon. Creepy. Creepy. Super creepy. It like yeah. sits on your chest. Oh, yeah. And that's a demon. It's like a demon or a ghost or yes. there's all kinds of, yeah. When in actuality, it's just you go into REM too fast. That's what sleep paralysis is. Maybe. You're like, you skip your body counting down and you just go straight into REM. And when you're in REM, all of your muscles are like frozen. So you don't like walk around while you're having sleep, right? Or like your dreams or whatever. Right. That's what sleep paralysis is, is that you're too tired to like shut down your body correctly. So you just go straight into REM. And so all the things that people see when they're having sleep paralysis. Mm -hmm. It's like their dreams. It's just a dream. It's a dream. It's just really vivid because Mm. you didn't have a chance for your brain to be like, we're going to dream world. (laughs) You just like got there. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. It's like the equivalent of like shutting down your computer by just pressing the power button until it shuts off instead right. of like doing the proper shutdown. And then after, when you try to start it up, your computer's like, why? Why did you, you do didn't that? do this properly? <laughs> I had really bad dreams. It was awful. We were abducted. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I couldn't help but think about something that always has bothered me ever since I learned about alien abduction stories as like a small child and stuff. And that is a lot of alien abduction or, or like UFO experiences or like observations center around really weird things that happen to like crops, sure, like crop circles, whatever. Yeah. And then specifically, Signs. yeah, and specifically livestock. Oh. Like it really bothers me. Yeah. And I was interested in learning if there were any stories about animals being abducted, like with their owners, you know, like me and my cat got abducted, right? Right. But in the end, I could only really find stories about cows, like a lot of cows or like livestock, sheep, sometimes sheep. Poor cows. I know. So let's talk about the very first recorded story of aliens taking an interest in livestock. Okay. In 1897... A Kansas newspaper reported an alien invasion on the farm of Alexander Hamilton. I do not think it is Alexander Hamilton, Alexander Hamilton. It's just a dude who's a farmer named Alexander Hamilton. I'm like, I don't think he ever lived in Kansas. (laughs) Yeah. Just saying. So according to Hamilton and his son and at least one other hired worker on the farm, this is what happened. Okay. A large (laughs) cigar-shaped spaceship spaceship with an undercarriage, quote, like like a blimp had appeared, hovering over his farm. The ship unleashed what they described as a lasso. It was operated by six beings that were located in the undercarriage. They'd lassoed one of his sheep and were trying to pull it aboard the ship. Hamilton and the other witnesses then grabbed hold of the ropes. They had like a tug of war, okay? Kansas Mm -hmm. farmers versus unknowable creatures from space. Until they finally cut the rope with a knife and watched the ship sail away. The next day, the remains of the sheep were found in a neighboring field. Hamilton's oh. story was backed up by a signed affidavit by 12 trustworthy citizens swearing to his character. The problem is, Jen, this whole story is fake. Really? 60 years later. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't mean like really. Sure. I mean, just like, how did they get all those people to... To sign it. This is how. Over 60 years later, UFO investigators would discover that Alexander Hamilton had been part of a, quote, liar's club. It was a group of people who met regularly (laughs) to fabricate ridiculous stories for fun. Apparently, the Liars Club disbanded shortly after this airship story because no one could top it. They were like, well, we're okay. This is like, it's like Balderdash. Yeah. Or like, you know. I love that game. Yeah. Yeah. Just making stuff up. And people believe it. Yep. It got published in a newspaper, Jen. That's amazing. There was an affidavit signed. Like, could you imagine they're all just like branding cigars after and they're like, no. they're just snickering to <laughs> yeah. themselves. They're like, what? You, or like when they're coming up with a story, they're like, what do you think the spaceship should look like? Oh, I know a cigar. You know, like what it's like what they're right, all smoking right, right. anyway. Did you know, Jen, though, that there is a whole Wikipedia page devoted to cattle mutilation? No. Yes, there is. It's awful. So we're going to talk a little bit about cattle mutilation. I'm so sorry. It is also known as bovine excision and unexplained livestock death or animal mutilation. It's the killing and mutilation of cattle under unusual, usually bloodless circumstances. So like no blood. Like it's drained? Like it's drained. But there's no pool of blood anywhere. That's like a common theme. So worldwide, well, that's just vampires. It's that's one of the. <laughs> that's one of the reasons, I mean, right? Done. Worldwide, <laughs> sheep, horses, goats, pigs, rabbits, 
cats, dogs, bison, deer, and elk have been reported mutilated with similar bloodless excisions, often an ear, eyeball, jaw flesh, tongue, lymph lymph nodes, genitals, and or rectum are removed. Ew. Yeah. And on cows, the udders, which... I guess is that a reproductive? That's kind of a yeah, reproductive. Yeah. Uh, That's the, the mams. Right. The, yes, the mams. All right. The earliest known documented outbreak of unexplained livestock deaths occurred in the early 1606, quote, about the city of London and some of the shires adjoining. While whole slaughters of sheep have been made in some places to number 100 and others less, where nothing is taken from the sheep but their tallow and some inward parts, the whole carcasses and fleece remaining still behind. Of the sundry conjectures, but most agree that it tendeth towards some fireworks. Tendeth. I, that, I mean, basically, uh, some stuff from the inside was taken from the sheep, but they were just left, like carcasses were just left. <clears throat> and Seems like a why. scare tactic. Yeah. Or some sort of sorcery. It's witches. Witches. <laughs> Charles Fort collected many accounts of cattle mutilations that occurred in England in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. And then in 1967, a Pueblo chieftain published a story about a horse called Snippy that was mysteriously killed and mutilated in Alamosa, Colorado. On September 9th, 1967, Agnes King and her son Harry reportedly found the dead body of their three-year-old horse. The horse's head and neck had been skinned and defleshed. And the body displayed cuts that, to King, looked very precise. No blood was at the scene, according to Harry, and a strong medicinal odor was in the air. And actually, there's like a follow-up story to this of a horse that was Snippy's daughter? Or somehow the horses were related, and that horse was shot and also mutilated? And then it turned out that it was some teenagers who had, like, done it as a hoax, as like a a joke. That's what I was going to say. It sounds like some like sick people. Yeah. Yeah. So that case, the Snippy case, was the first to feature speculation that extraterrestrial beings and unidentified flying objects were associated with the mutilation because I think that there were like reports of bright lights Uh, or something and they were like, oh, there were these bright lights. It was so crazy. But a subsequent investigation concluded that there was no evidence to support the assertion that the horse's death was associated in any way to abnormal causes. I do, I think I talk about it a little bit later, but when like an animal carcass is um, decomposing, mm-hmm. a lot of times the skin, you know, they bloat and sometimes the skin will get pulled back. And so there are some things about the way the decomposition happens mm-hmm. that could be similar to what you see in, you know, a horse that you think maybe got taken by aliens, but really it was just a decomposing horse. Yeah. Anyway. It just seems like a leap. That's all. Yeah. So then there are these mutilations that happen in the 70s. Okay. I'm going to talk a little bit about those. Okay. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah. Oh, there's a show about it. Yeah. But I never, I started to watch it and I was like, oh, yeah, I don't think it's I've just some watched. dudes. Yeah. 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 It so seemed a little duty. This is kind of like an area. It's from like, like Kansas, Nebraska. I think Oklahoma was included. Like there's kind of this stretch of, of states uh-huh. that all had these different mutilations that happen over time. And they're all kind of connected and it's super weird. That's right. That's what it's about. Yeah. But I didn't, I couldn't get into it. Yeah. It's weird. It's yeah. a strange, it's strange. Yeah. Uh, so 1973, December 4th, law enforcement reported a wave of cattle mutilations in seven counties across Kansas and Nebraska. Reproductive organs were removed. And I think ears. It was like ears and eyes and reproductive organs. Weeks later, it was reported 38 mysterious cattle deaths had occurred across 11 counties. Multiple lab tests suggested many of the animals had died from blackleg, which is a cattle disease. 
So they're like, okay, but it's kind of weird that these other things were removed. By June 1974, mutilations were reported to have spread to Lancaster County, Nebraska. On August 20th, 1974, the Lincoln Journal-Star reported a strange, unidentified helicopter shining spotlights into fields that would soon become mutilation sites. One investigator claimed helicopter sightings had become a nightly occurrence with both the FAA and the National Guard reportedly being unaware of any helicopter activity. After ranchers began forming night vigils, so then the ranchers were like, we're going to shoot it down. Oh, hell yeah. They were just going, because they were like, this is our cattle, you know? Mm -hmm. So then the the National Guard was warned, like, don't be flying around these ranches. These guys are going to kill you. They're Uh, armed. And so then they started... I guess helicopter pilots started flying higher. But again, nobody knows about this helicopter activity. I don't know. It's kind of random. October 1974, it was reported that UFO conspiracy theorists considered cattle mutilations that they might be related to flying saucers. They're like, oh, it's flying saucers. They're not really helicopters. So then there's this senator, Floyd uh, K. Haskell, who's from, I think, Colorado at the time. Mm -hmm. He contacts the FBI. In 1975, he's like, you guys, this is across states. You need to do something about this. He claimed there had been 130 mutilations in Colorado alone by this point, and that there were more reports across nine states. And you can actually read his letters because the FBI, it's called the vault, the FBI Mm -hmm. vault. And you can go and I have the link and you can read what he wrote to the FBI and what the FBI wrote back to him and just like their exchange about this. Eventually, the FBI does jump in the mix. But what did they say in the beginning? They were like, oh, we can't. This isn't our jurisdiction. They were like, eh, yeah, it's like it's like in different states, but it's not like moving things across state right, lines. Right, right. It's like it's not really our it's not it's not our thing. But eventually the FBI did jump in at some point. I think I think the senator wrote them like a bunch of times. I mean, there's a lot of letters. It's like 19 pages of stuff that you can read through, mm-hmm. which I did. I read every single letter. Did you really? Yeah. Wow. Because I was like... That's why you had 60 pages of notes. I was like, what is it in these letters? Like, is there going to be something like amazing that I'm going to discover? No, it's it's the most... They're so boring. He's like, cattle are dying. We don't know why. Some people are talking about helicopters. We don't know why. Can you guys please do something about this? Like, you're the FBI. Like, get it together. Mm -hmm. And the FBI being like, not our jurisdiction. But cool. Thanks for letting us know. You know, like, and then eventually, then it was like so many states... And mm-hmm. they were like, okay, fine, fine, we'll do it. So, And then they still didn't find anything? Uh, no. The, so in, in 1979, the FBI reported that according to investigations by the New Mexico State Police, there had been an estimated of 8,000, an estimated 8,000 mutilations in Colorado. Uh-huh. And that, just Colorado, uh, causing approximately $1 million in damage, which is... That's a, real, that's a lot, though. Yeah. Like, what? Were they really? I mean, could they really have just nice. been like coyotes? Or I mean, are I mean, they sure? There's lots. There's lots of things. Lots of things. Because there's that a lot of been. like that. I always thought this would be interesting to be like a wildlife forensics person. Yes, you know, so you really actually go and investigate it. All the things. But I bet in the 70s, not so much of that was happening. Right. I mean, well, forensics. I mean, some people. I'm hey. sure. I don't know. Forest Service. Anyway, in most cases, mutilation wounds would be clean and they seeming, they were like surgical. Oh. Surgical cuts. Well, these are just serial killers in the making. I mean, think of the 70s. Thank you. And 80s. Exactly. These are practice, they're practicing. They're just, yeah. They had the glasses already. (laughs) (laughs) They're getting the members only jacket. Uh, Yeah. So mutilated animals were sometimes, I guess most of the time, reported to also have been drained of blood, like I mentioned. And like I also said, there was no sign of blood in the immediate area around their wounds or 
footprints or any kind of prints of like something being there, tire tracks, something, nothing. I'm still going with uh, vampires or serial killers. I feel you. According to Howard Burgess, nearly 90% of mutilated cattle were between four and five years old. So I think Howard Burgess was the FBI guy. Sorry, I don't think I mentioned him before. I think I might have cut out a piece that was like kind of long mm-hmm. and I cut out somebody's name and who they were. So I'm sorry about that. In some cases, there were strange marks or imprints near the site, but not like feet or anything like that. In the Snippy case, this was the same thing. There was no there were no tracks anywhere around the carcass of the horse, but there were these small circular holes Sometimes it looked like they were in a tripod formation. Sometimes they were just like random circular holes. And I'm like, are these people on stilts? I was just about to say that. Serial killers on, on stilts. stilts. Like done. Yeah. Explained. Yeah. And I'm like, how come no one no one says anything about stilts? <laughs> or they wore or they wore funny shoes with Yeah. Like it was just, like back in the day of the platforms. Sure. Just like tiny platforms. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. But in Rio Arriba County, New Mexico, June 1976, there was a trail of suction-like impressions that were found leading from a mutilated three-year-old cow. And the indentations, this is the one that were in a tripod form, and then they disappeared. So they were like, I guess, so many tracks of them that looked like they were in this like triangle or tripod form. And then 500 feet out, they disappeared from the dead. Like they didn't go anywhere. Like they just vanished. And then similar incidents of those like little holes and then disappearing were recorded in 1978 in the same area. Hmm. I strange. Mean, that is strange. Also, I wonder what Native Americans say about it. Right? I mean, I feel like they would have some theories. Stilts. They're like, just stilts. Serial killers <laughs> on stilts. Zero, yeah. Uh, laboratory reports carried out on some of the mutilated animals have shown unusually high or low <laughs> levels of vitamins or minerals in tissue samples and the presence of chemicals not normally found in animals, except not all of the animals had these like vitamin anomalies, like these differences. Uh-huh. And then they were saying that on account of the time between the actual death of the animal and then the necropsy, necropsy, I don't know that word. Necropsy, Thank yeah. Thank you. That sounds weird to me. And I guess they also didn't have a lot of background information on some of the specific cattle, like where they were how long they had been out there, whatever. Scientists were like, well, we can't really determine if like the variations are because of decomposition or as a result of the death or what it was. Like even these like high levels of vitamins or high levels of chemicals that weren't supposed to be in the animal's body, they're like, we're not really sure because it could be that we just didn't find this animal until a certain time or whatever. Or we don't know if it's because of the death or whatever. Not enough information. Not exactly. Yeah. Unidentified information. <laughs> they cannot determine. Undeterminable. Yes. There are a number of potential explanations people have come up with over the years for oh, these sure. mutilization. Mutilization. I keep saying it. Mutilations. Yes. Mutilations. <laughs> Stop making up words. So after coming under increasing public pressure, U.S. federal authorities launched a comprehensive investigation of the mutilization phenomenon. You said, Did I say mutil- it again? You said it again. <laughs> Did you write it like that? No, it says mutilation. I don't know how I'm just like throwing a Z in there. This, I don't know. It's just fun. It's fun. It is more fun that way. It's a holiday. That's why. In May of 1979, the case, that's when the case was passed on to the FBI, right? And they did their report. I guess the investigation was dubbed Operation Animal Mutilation. 
And that's the the letters I was talking about. The investigation was funded by a $44,000 grant equivalent to $164,000 in 2021 uh, from the Law Enforcement Assistance Administration and was headed by the FBI. And it had five key objectives. Number one, to determine the reliability of the information on which the grant was based. So about all of these cases that were reported in New Mexico prior to 1979. So they're only Mm -hmm. looking in New Mexico at this time. Right. These things. Number two, to determine the case, uh, the cause of as many mutilations as possible, especially those reported in New Mexico. Number three, to determine if livestock mutilations, as described, constitute a major law enforcement problem. Number four, if these mutilations do constitute a major law enforcement problem, to determine the scope of the problem and to offer recommendations on how to deal with it. And number five, if it is shown that the mutilation phenomenon is not a law enforcement problem, to recommend that no further law enforcement investigations be funded. So basically, they're like, is it really happening? Why is it happening? If it is happening, how can we stop it from happening? And if it's not happening, then let's not fund it anymore. Right. And that's basically it. Right. If it's if it all equals to nothing. Then it equals to nothing. Then we're not going to put any more money into this. No more money. Yeah. Done deal. So the first final report released in June 1980 was 297 pages long. So the initial thing, um, I think the initial report that I was talking about, like the nine pages, that was like um, a summary of what had already been done in certain areas. And they were just like getting information from local police. And then this is the actual FBI report. So they did that summary or like primary investigation because of all the letters that the senator sent. And then they were like, OK, fine, we're actually going to do this massive report. They said, according to some estimates, by 1979, 10,000 head of cattle had been mysteriously mutilated. However, the report concluded that the mutilations were predominantly the result of natural predation, but that I was some cases thinking. contained anomalies that could not be accounted for by conventional wisdom. The FBI was unable to identify any individuals responsible for the mutilations. So nobody was responsible. Maybe. Details of the investigation are now available under the Freedom of Information Act. So you can read the entire 297 pages. I did not read that. You didn't FOIA that? I did not. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, The release material includes correspondence from one of the FBI agencies, like the agent and head agent in charge. I don't know. Uh, Mulder. Yeah, he's Mulder. uh, Where he states, the most credible sources have attributed this damage to normal predator and scavenger activity. Scavenger activity. Yeah. Right. Anyway, there's this New Mexico State Patrolman named Gabe Valdez, who by the time of this FBI report had investigated dozens of these cases, right? Because that's his state. Right. And he told investigator Christopher O'Brien that, quote, during the six to eight months when the FBI was actively investigating the mutilations in New Mexico, the state especially the northern part of the state, became suddenly quiet with a very few, if any, true mutilations being reported to officials. Valdez was convinced that the FBI never was able to investigate a single high strange case because the mutilators moved their operations to other parts of the West. And the the one guy, this guy Rommel, who was like the head FBI guy, he was a former bank robbery expert. Uh-huh. And he was actually disgusted by dead cows. And he did not he didn't go look at them. Like he had other people do the actual investigations while he waited, quote, upwind in the car. So this other guy, this this state patrolman, Gabe Valdez, was like, I've been here. I'm trying to tell you this is what's going on. You right. guys aren't actually seeing it because these guys aren't doing it while you're here. They Everybody knows you're here. In the car. In the car. 
hide you know what i mean like, it's like, like it's gross everybody knows the Smells fbi bad. is investigating these things uh-huh. so of course the people who are doing it are gonna stop or go someplace else mm-hmm. anyway lame mm-hmm. during this period the same time in western canada they were also having this issue. They were especially hit hard during the six to eight months of the FBI investigation. RCMP investigator Corporal Lynn Lauber of the Calgary Detachment, who was in charge of the Canadian mutilation probe, fun name, investigated numerous high strange cases. When the FBI's final report was released to the public, Lauber answered an inquiry by investigator Tommy Bland, quote, I find it difficult to understand how the FBI could make a statement such as this without ever having personally witnessed a real mutilation firsthand. He also stated, I would like to see Rommel, the specific guy, write off our confirmed cases as due to predators. So the kind of like boots on the ground guys who are investigating across the continent. Mm-hmm. Investigating these mutilation cases, seeing like, all the things. This is not just some predator, bro. Like, I think that the law enforcement is like not necessarily saying it's aliens, but they're saying it's not predators. Crypt- also, cryptids. Cryptids. What? <laughs> anyway, I don't think I mentioned this. Prior to the uh, FBI getting involved, the ATF actually launched their own investigation. Really? Into this this phenomenon. Yeah. Hmm. It was very popular. Uh, Both federal investigations were preceded and followed to some extent by a state-level investigation carried out by law enforcement officials in New Mexico. So that's that Gabe... Valdez and some like his other compatriots, right? This investigation reported finding evidence that some mutilated animals had been tranquilized and treated with an anticoagulant prior to their mutilation. It also contended that alleged surgical techniques performed during mutilations had become, quote, more professional over time. However, officers in charge were unable to determine responsibility or motive. So some people believe that the mutilations actually are a result of natural causes. So these are a lot of veterinary workers, farmers, ranchers, mm-hmm. a variety of these people, and knowledge it says knowledgeable observers, like agricultural farmers, have suggested more conventional ideas which revolve around the idea that mutilated animals died of natural causes and were subjected to known terrestrial phenomena, including the action of predators, parasites, and scavengers. And then also just decomposition. So they were saying that missing or mutilated mouth, lip, anus, and genitalia are explained as contraction of missing or, or damaged areas due to dehydration mm-hmm. as they decompose. The actions of small scavengers and burrowing parasites seeking to enter or consume the body in areas where the skin is at its thinnest. So those could be the cuts, right? Mm-hmm. Getting into the body. Mm-hmm. Missing or mutilated eyes and soft internal organs are explained as the action of carrion feeding insects such as blowflies and opportunistic or carrion birds such as vultures, which are known to direct themselves towards an animal's eyes and to enter the body through the openings of the mouth and anus in order to feed on soft internal organs. Ew. Things you didn't really want to know, but you're welcome. Vultures. Come on, Mm. guys. Absence of blood is explained as vampires. No. Uh, (laughs) Blood pooling in the lowest points of the body where it will break down into its basic organic components and blood that is external to the body or in the area of a wound being consumed by insects or reduced by solar desiccation. So maybe you wouldn't even see it. Surgical incisions in the skin are explained as tears in the skin created when it is stretched by post-mortem bloat. 
and or as dehydration causes the animal's hide to shrink and split, often in linear cuts. Incisions caused by scavengers or predators probably exacerbated by the above. Some ranchers have disputed the scientific natural causes hypothesis. They say that the mutilated animals often fall outside of the normal categories of natural deaths by predation or disease. One reason that they cite is that the animals were healthy and showed no sign of disease prior to death and were large and strong enough not to be likely a target for predators, right? And in some cases, ranchers have reported that the mutilated cattle were among the healthiest and strongest in their herd. So, who knows? The the next explanation I find to be the saddest of all these. So these cattle mutilations, right? There's so many explanations. This is the next one. The next one is animal cruelty and human activity. So some scientists think that anything that can't be explained by natural processes or predation are the result of humans who derive pleasure or sexual stimulation from mutilating animals. Serial killers. Yes. We sadly know that this is, it's been recorded. There are many cases around the world, many convictions of people who do these things. They harm animals. Humans, particularly those with sociopathic disorders, have been found to have mutilated animals in elaborate ways using knives or surgical instruments. Some real sickos out there. Yeah. Okay, so this next one is like in the same category of humans, but a little bit different. In April of 1979, C. Hibbs of the New Mexico State Veterinary Diagnostics Laboratory spoke before a hearing chaired by Senator Harrison Schmidt saying that mutilation fell into three categories, one of which was animals mutilated by humans, and those humans could be the result of cults. Dun, dun, dun. I was waiting for it. Yes. Because the 70s and 80s, they love some cult stuff. this This is the time. I mean, come on. This is the time. Satanic panic. Oh, yeah. People's Temple, Jonestown, all the things. Like, yeah, everything was all about cults. Cults. Yeah. Yeah. So this holds that the cattle mutilations, I keep trying to say it, mutilations. You want to say it so bad. I do. Are coordinated acts of ritual sacrifice carried out by organized groups. In 1975, the U.S. Treasury Department assigned Donald Flickinger. Okay. I think he's ATF to investigate the existence of connections between cults and the mutilation of cattle. Flickinger recorded a number of unusual incidents and circumstantial evidence, but was unable to find sufficient evidence of cult involvement for the ATF to take further action. Of course. However, there were various reports during the time of menacing groups prowling mutilation sites. In September 1975, a Forestry Service employee in Blaine County, Ohio, reported seeing a group of people in black hooded robes Several cattle were found mutilated in the area the following day. In October 1975, a motorist on U.S. Highway 95 in northern Idaho in an area of frequent cattle mutilation reported to police that some 15 masked individuals formed a roadblock with linked arms and forced him to turn around. Creepy. I am like... If I was in the forest and saw a bunch of black-robed people... (laughs) With masks? I'm not sure. I... I mean, I would definitely be trying to escape as quickly as possible. I feel like I would try to bury myself under some leaves. Or yeah, something. or just hide. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just, just stuff you don't, you just don't want that I don't, ever. It, no. It rem- it makes me think of that first season, True Detective. Did you ever watch that? It's that series where Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey are, I think it's Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Are um, detectives. I, it's I so good. feel like I meant to watch it. Yeah. And I totally forgot, and now I'm going to have to go back and watch it. It is uh, Chef's Kiss. Really? Yeah, I really like the first season. Well, I, you can't put those two together I mean, and yeah. then not be good. I mean, come on. And there's some creepy, like, woods activity in that one. 
like kind of culty. Cooler if you did, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's real. Creepy. I love it. Okay, yeah. Anywho. Now I'm gonna watch it. It's reminded me. But it turns out in most cases of these like cult apparent cult things, mutilations were either ruled due to natural causes or the cattle were too far decayed for any useful conclusions to be drawn. The next possibility in terms of human involvement uh, that people have put forward is government or military experimentation. Uh, dun, dun, dun. Mm, right? I guess. In his 1997 article, Dead Cows I've Known, which... <laughs> okay. What a great title. Cattle mutilation researcher Charles T. Oliphant speculates cattle mutilation to be the result of covert research into emerging cattle diseases and the possibility they could be transmitted to humans. Additionally, a 2002 National Institute for Discovery Science report relates the eyewitness testimony of two Cache County, Utah police officers. The police witnesses claim to have countered several men in an unmarked U.S. Army helicopter in 1976 at a small community airport in Cache County. The witnesses asserted that after a heated encounter... Cattle mutilations in the region ceased for about five years. I don't buy it for a second. No. If they're going to do something, first of all, they'll do it on pigs. (laughs) Yeah, this is true. Because they're more like us. Yeah. And also, they're going to just do it in some sort of lab or something. It's not going to be a secret. Like, they're going to go out and steal some farmer's cows. Yes. They're never going to do that. That is... Exactly how I feel about the government involvement. I feel like if the government is doing any kind of testing, they're not going to be doing it in some random field. And stealing from some poor, you know, yeah. farmer. No. No. Not going to happen. No. If they did eh, take, yeah. take that one off the list. <laughs> if they did take cows from some guy's field, I uh-huh. feel like they would be compensating him and he wouldn't say anything about it. Oh, yeah. It would but be. Yeah. yeah. But that's not happening. Not happening. Uh, this is kind of a random story. I I don't know how to feel about it. Anyway, in July 1975, there's this reporter, Dane Edwards. He works for the Brush Banner, um, and he published a cattle mutilation story, and he began investigating the theory of cults, right? Mm -hmm. And then it turns out that for that particular mutilation where they're like, oh, a cult did it, it was like a rumor that had been started by this guy who was a federal inmate who was just like trying to manipulate the system in some way to get Mm -hmm. himself a better deal. And so that's where that had originated, and he was like, oh, that's not it, so it's got to be something else. I'm going to find this other explanation. Right. And so he reported that the government was testing cattle parts to develop biological weapons to use in Vietnam. And he even wrote to the senator, Floyd K. Haskell, that guy who was like writing to the Mm -hmm. FBI. And he was like, there are government agents threatening my life. They want me to remain silent because I found out this information. Right. In October 1975, he gave an interview to the Colorado Springs Gazette Telegraph and he presented this theory. He was like, you know, the government is doing this. And he, I guess, was also upset because the FBI wouldn't get involved at the time. He was like, the FBI needs to, because it's like this secret government agency, like they need to take care of this. And, you know, they're not helping us, la, la, la. And at the time, he said he was going to be writing a book explaining how the project was conceived, like all the stuff that he found. And then he had a daughter named Marjorie Taylor Greene. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Shortly after, (laughs) right, I mean, shortly after he was fired by the Gazette, and then he disappeared. On December 5th, 1975, his wife, at the time, reported him as a missing person. She killed him. But, dateline, in 19, sometime in the 1990s, he reemerged as Dr. David Ellsworth, and he had founded an English-language instruction program that was adopted by many federal universities in Mexico. <laughs> I'm like, all right. At first, it sounded like kind of a creepy story, and then it's like, oh, no, he was just... 
Whatever. He was in his bunker. Yeah. He went to Mexico. Living underground. Just mar- margaritas every day. No, living underground yeah, yeah. and mutilating people's cows. <laughs> so he could keep his theory going. So besides natural causes, the government, humans, cults, all the things that could uh-huh. possibly be. There's also a number of folklore stories. I did not include the folklore in here. I'm so sorry because it would be really, really long. Okay. If I continue to talk about this. But Chupacabra is like a big one, mm-hmm. right? And then there's similar like cattle cryptids that come in like you know, eat just only little parts of, of cattle. That's what I mean. There's lots of cattle cryptids, mm-hmm. right? They'll eat like just the liver or just the eyes or the heart or whatever. Yeah. And then vampires. Oh, yeah. Vampires is the other part. Lastly, could it be aliens, Jen? That is, right, the final like explanation to these cow mutilations, these cattle mutilations, livestock dying in these weird ways. Could it be aliens? And my question is, if it's aliens. Uh-huh. Why livestock? Why cows? And so, actually, I did find an article and a blog post. I'm going to talk about both. On And one of them is called Why Aliens Have Such a Beef with Cows, <laughs> which I did okay. laugh at. It was great. There's something. It's a Winda... Windego. Windigo. Windigo. Wendigo. Wendigo. Wendigo? Yeah. yeah, that's it. Okay, sorry. I had to look it up. That's the I was one like... that the skin and the things. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. And you... they like shriek and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They also eat cows. Yeah. Like, and people. Like rip them up and stuff. Yeah. Ooh. Anyway. Okay. So in this article that I found about why aliens would choose cows, mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, people write about anything. They say, perhaps there is a simple answer. Farms provide a lot of wide open space for a plausible crash landing and are remote enough for stories about alien visitation to remain plausible, or at least plausible enough for tourists to investigate themselves. Rural areas are, with exception, home to a population of Americans that do not especially trust their national government and prefer that local governments tackle unfamiliar issues, alien issues included. And I just want to say that that particular phrase I don't necessarily agree with because I grew up in a rural area. Mm -hmm. And like, I mean, yeah, sure, there's plenty. There's all different kinds of people, honestly. I don't know. I feel like that's a little bit of a generalization. It is. But we're going to move on from that. Well, yeah, not cool, but yeah. Uh, They say, are cows more intelligent or visible than we previously assumed? Is it comforting to think that aliens might take cows instead of humans for their intergalactic experiments? Or are cows (laughs) a mirror for our fragility, a reminder that we too are creatures of comfort that can only withstand stress for as long as our biology allows? Also, cows were important livestock way before any aliens. I mean, that goes back to the folklore we were talking about, right? Like, cows are getting eaten by all sorts of random stuff before aliens were even like a thing that you thought of. Yeah. I just, poor cows. Poor cows. Also, apparently, there are stories about fairies, I didn't know, that used to take cows. Like, okay, fairies, vampires, right? Yeah. Because they like steak dinners. I guess so. They're into it. What are, what are fairies doing with cows? I mean, right? I don't are they know. they a lot smaller? Well, I mean, I think, I feel like there are stories about fairies that are, they're supposed to be like huge, but evil and creepy. Okay. Anyway, even today, cattle is a huge industry and just food for thought. During the height of these mysterious cattle mutilations in the 70s, the U.S. government was sending grain to food insecure nations, which in turn drove up the price of grain for farmers to use to feed their livestock. And then President Nixon made the situation worse by freezing the price of beef so they weren't making enough money to feed the cows that they had. Combined with the satanic panic and recent alien reports, stressed out rural communities didn't need to look far to turn their dire financial situation into something 
far more ominous. I think that is a very plausible explanation. That's very plausible, yeah. Yeah. You just can't. And then you report it later after they've decomposed, you know, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I'm just thinking about when you drive through some of those very rural... Have you driven through Kansas? I have. I have driven through Kansas. It's like pull over here to see the five-legged cow. Right, yeah. Like, I feel like anything that can sensationalize anything, it can make a buck. Yeah. Because how many people are coming through there? Right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I do like how this article goes on to say, it's easy to relegate our worst fears to the dark, to imagine what might be lurking beyond our field of vision or the limits of our exploration. Once those areas become well-known, the danger moves a little further off towards some other unknown corner. So it's like, yeah, why do they choose cows? Because it's in this place that not a lot of people are, and it's kind of creepy in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You know what I mean? Like, it's outside of more like most people's imaginations of Mm -hmm. what it might be like yeah then i came across this blog oh no (laughs) and i just i feel like somehow i'm I'm on like a watch list now Um, (laughs) came across this blog for a guy his name is dr howard i did not i don't remember his first name i didn't write it down dr howard he's the host of alien hour it's on youtube i don't know if you should watch it or not probably not he's a paranormal researcher and a doctor of veterinary medicine He says, quote, I'm often asked how these fields of research relate, and there is no greater intersection between them than that which exists in the phenomenon of cattle mutilation. So paranormal researcher, veterinary medicine, best of both worlds. Right. During veterinary school, I unknowingly had the premonition of this disturbing occurrence while in pathology lab where we performed necropsies to study disease. Oftentimes, the animal whose anatomy we examined was a cow. Pathology lab took place in a large room with cement floors and stainless steel operating tables where young vet students like myself observed dead animals, much as alien scientists observe their human specimens. Above our heads, steel chains were secured to a circular track by which we hung each carcass. We'd surgically remove the heart, liver, brain, abmusum? I think he meant right abdomen. I'm not sure. <laughs> and, uh, other, I don't know. and other three stomachs, then everything else from the body. Rubber boots were a necessity. Afterwards, we hosed down the room to wash away the excess blood, which spiraled thickly down the drains. What can I say? It was messy work, but that's a vet's life. (laughs) (laughs) In vet school, we mutilated cattle for a purpose, to understand what killed each animal. We cut them up, like I said, to learn about disease. What we didn't do was sneak onto some rancher's land, murder healthy animals, and carry their organs home as party favors. However, someone or something is doing this very thing. There are four possible motivations I see for the mutilation of cattle to study the animal, to test advanced weaponry, to make a ritual sacrifice, or to seek pleasure of torturing a defenseless being. I believe three possible suspects could be behind such activity. Aliens, the government, and satanic cults. Uh... (laughs) The third we can dismiss immediately as pure nonsense. I'm like, oh, good. Okay, good. That's great. Thank you. The mutilations appear to be performed utilizing secret technologies, which I do not believe these cults possess. Just why? Okay. You might argue that the strange incisions and exsanguinations are performed using black magic, but I assume these cults have more interesting uses for their arcane spells. This leaves us with two other options, the government or aliens. I'm sorry. The government is certainly a possibility. They have the tools and the technology, but only because they're reverse engineered, which they've stolen from extraterrestrials. It gets better, Jen. It gets better. He goes on to talk about just so much random things like disinformation tactics and anyway 
la di da di da. He he does say in the end, he's like, oh, this is kind of like a lot of stuff that the government would have to do. And if you like think of Occam's razor, like the most simple explanation is the best. And so he says aliens. Of course. (laughs) We know that they have the technology, lassos, lasers, some kind of blood pump and other tools our human minds can comprehend. Some kind of blood pump. But what do they do with our cows? Some would say they've come to research the ungulates, but what's with the anal fixation? Do they they take them back to their ships for further analysis or to pair them with fried calamari? And really, this has been going on for decades. How many cows does E.T. need to study before graduating to Bovine University? This blog is something else. He goes on to say that actually, maybe they just like beef. He's like, you know what? This is my theory. He just likes beef. They just they yeah. want to eat beef. That's what it is. And he says, I have a message for the aliens, which I will be sending telepathically in addition to writing here. I understand. Cows are the most delicious things in the universe, but you don't have to treat them like this when you want a burger. There are free-range cattle who live full lives and are slaughtered as humanely as possible. And if you need a quick bite here in New Mexico, there's always a drive through at Blake's Lotta Burger. I mean, if he had said instead of that, they're people's favorite food, like humankind, like love right. eating this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there could be a connection. Like they're trying to mm-hmm. study something like, why do they love this? They love to eat this animal sure, sure, so sure. much. There's so many of them yeah. in, like that. But this, he went in a different direction. It's just a uh, very different direction. Yeah, yeah. But some things to consider, Jen. The nearest star to Earth is about four light years away. Our fastest spaceship, our Humans' fastest spaceship Mm -hmm. would take some 100,000 years to get there. If intelligent aliens exist and came here, they would have to have technologies beyond anything we could ever possibly dream of, capable of interstellar travel that comes and goes without a trace. So they probably wouldn't be into cows. Not Probably not. Why would they be into us? Or us, right. Like, I feel like if if there were an alien civilization... That were that advanced that we just never see them or we can't comprehend them or whatever, then we would already be gone from this earth. They would have colonized it already. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway. Okay, real quick. I have one last cattle alien mutilation story. I pulled this from thedailyyonder.com, which that name is great. Since the beginning of 2021... Cattle ranchers in central Oregon's Crook County have found several cattle dead in the fields, mm-hmm. just like they were in the 70s. Like, Ew. same deal, same deal. And actually, in 2019, it was happening as well. Same deal. Hmm. Exsanguinated cuts, missing ears, eyes, genitals, all that stuff. There's this lady, Linda Moulton Howe. She's a journalist and paranormal investigator, and she has been investigating cattle mutilations. <laughs> mutilations since 1979 she believes that this is the work of extraterrestrials she says i began investigating bloodless trackless animal mutilations domestic and wild in colorado in september 1979 when i was director of special projects at the cbs station kmgh tv in denver colorado law enforcement and ranchers saw strange glowing circular craft at night extend beams down into their pastures where they would find a bloodlessly mutilated animal after the sun came up It was Sheriff Tex Graves of Logan County, Colorado, who told me in September 1979 the perpetrators of these animal mutilations are creatures from outer space. It was the sheriff, Jen. The sheriff told her. So, it's fine. Anyway, she did write a book 
eventually about it. And then she's kind of like quoted in here. They do talk with the Oregon Crook County undersheriff, James Savage. He said that we're investigating it. And he says, well, yeah, it makes us angry. He told the Northwest News Network. It's upsetting because, again, it's our livelihood. It's how we make our money, how we feed our families, how we support ourselves. They're still investigating. There's no causes immediately. Yeah, It's an uptick in serial killers. Something's going on. Yeah, it's like 2020, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. They had to take a break because 2019, they were doing it. 2020, they took a break because pandemic. 2020, they took a break. And then 2021, here you go. Here we go again. Anywho, I did find this article um, on Reader's Digest that is like 12 UFO myths scientists would wish you would stop believing. And I'm just going to include the link in there. You guys can go read it. It's pretty good. It was updated January 20th of this year. Okay. So I thought that was pretty good. I will just mention that myth eight out of 12 is myth. Aliens have mutilated livestock. Cattle and sheep have been attacked in fields since humans started keeping them for agricultural purposes. And all evidence points to regular old predators as the perpetrators. So predators could be humans. It could be other animals. I That's kind of how I'm feeling about it. I, I feel that way about this, too. I mean, I'm not saying that things couldn't happen sure. to people, but the whole animal mutilation, it doesn't, that, that doesn't jive. That just sounds me. very uh, human involved or yeah, predators or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be. Mm-hmm. So here we are, Jen, to the organization to support for this episode. <laughs> Oh, I can't wait. (laughs) I know. I was, I really struggled. I really struggled with this. I was like, should we talk about eating less uh, red meat? Should we make some kind of comment on billionaires spending all this money trying to go to outer space and colonize the moon when so many people on earth are starving? Uh, You know, like, yeah. There, I was like, just donate your money to solve actual problems. I don't know. In the end, I decided to go with something a little more wholesome, a little less like argumentative, like <laughs> soapboxy. Initially, I was thinking about code.org. Code.org. Have you ever heard of them? No. It, they're a really great organization. They have like a 99% on Charity Navigator. They do a lot of work with young women and uh, girls and kids in underserved communities, teaching them how to code. It's a STEM organization. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. But then I read about scratch.org. S-C-R-A-T-C-H dot org. It came out of MIT. They're the world's largest coding community for kids. It's They're worldwide. So code.org is only in the U.S. Scratch.org is everywhere. They, uh, more than 200 million children interacted with Scratch, uh, I guess, to today. They launched in May of 27, 2007 as a downloadable desktop application. And then they released Scratch 2.0 on the web in 2013 and that's where it kind of like blew up and like everybody all over the Mm -hmm. world is is Mm -hmm. using it it's free and the vision is to spread creative caring collaborative equitable approaches to coding and learning around the world and the mission is to provide young people with digital tools and opportunities to imagine create share and learn and i think this is a great organization you can support in order to introduce more children across the world to stem in a fun fun way and who knows maybe from those kids learning they're going to develop some kind of technology that we'll use in the future to FaceTime with aliens. FaceTime so, and yeah. go, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they're coding, I don't think you're going to be out doing any kind of animal inspections. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, yeah, on the communi- the alien communication side, there are, there are only hope right there. Right? Get it together. To me, coding is like an alien language. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I and, felt like that was appropriate. Yes. <laughs> but that's so cool. I wonder, I always think about like... How would you know that your kids are into coding? 
Oh, if you like sat them down in front of the thing and they just did like a coding practice, I think you would know. You would know. Yeah. Like, are there people that test them for that? Do they get tested at school for that? I mean, my son took a a little like mini coding thing. He loved it. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know. He does like a lot of Lego stuff. He loves Minecraft. Mine like those things, but I don't see them. I bet they'd be into coding. Because hmm. I feel like coding is like that thing where you just take information and you put it out there and it creates something. Right. You know, you take zeros and ones and algorithms and stuff and you just like throw it out there and then it does something cool. Yeah. I think they'd be into that. Yeah, they probably would. Hmm. It's a different generation. For sure. My brain doesn't. For sure. My brain yeah. can't do it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still I'm bridging the gap between the boomers and the millennials and whatever, <laughs> the zennials and stuff. You're like, that's our job. We're we're just in there. A wacky wailing, wacky flailing, <laughs> waving crow. That's that's yes. yeah. Back Inflatable man. Yeah, that's us. Good times. Well, Jen, here we come to the exciting part of our episode where uh, you get to tell me what you would put in your emergency preparedness kit. To protect me from... I think to pro- maybe to protect cattle from mutilation, maybe? Or uh... t- or maybe to protect you from being abducted by aliens. Or experiencing an alien abduction. What if you had a cow suit to try to catch some aliens? But wouldn't you get things ripped out? No. On accident? Like, you would just be, like, inside the... Like, protective... Like, you're, like, ninja stuff. You're, like, you're trying to catch them. Sure, sure, sure. So they would come after you, and then you would catch them? Almost like a Trojan horse, but a cow? A cow. Like a giant cow. A a ginormous (laughs) cow. The most ginormous cow ever that would entice the aliens. I mean, if if this is what people are thinking, that they're that attracted to cattle... Sure, yeah. I mean, you know. Sure. Take your chances. I'm just saying, so yeah, so I don't know about a Trojan cow, but I'm just saying like a cow suit and underneath you've got some lasers and whatnots. To protect, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would say, you know, a cow suit can fold up nicely in your yeah, bag. This is true. And just get a couple of, you know how you were saying you need to like shoot lasers for communication. <laughs> but like really direct. Yes. Lasers are better Well, because if they're coming right at you. You'll know yeah. where they are, yeah. This is more of like uh, trying to catch an alien. I got it. Because... Seems like people who believe in it, they think that could happen. It's almost like a transformer cow suit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> with with lasers. With lasers. There you go. I kind of like that better. That's great. Because you could just like <laughs> fold up into some yeah. big like <laughs> robot. Yeah. So really, you're just behind a tree with like a remote control. Yeah. I like that a lot. Okay. Mm-hmm. So a transformer cow with lasers. Perfect. Like, just try me, aliens. <laughs> this is going down. This Just is try it. What is the movie with like, wasn't it with like Tom Cruise with the alien, like Planet Z or Planet, what is that movie? I never saw it. But you know what I'm talking about? I think I know what you're talking about. It's like yeah. a big, big alien invasion kind of movie. Right, right, right. Oh, no, it was World War Z. No, World War Z. No, no, no. World War Z with a zombie movie with Brad Pitt. You're oh, thinking shit. Of, okay. Uh, World of the Worlds with Tom Cruise. He was, I don't I'm know. Sure. It all blends together in my brain. You yeah. guys, listen. We've been gone. I was gone. We were <laughs> off the grid for a very long time. But the original War of the Worlds was that one they put out on the, the old, radio. Old, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, then everybody was like, "Holy people shit, like, we're gonna die!" Yeah, people like killed themselves. Yes, they were so scared. It was insane. It's really bad. That is really bad. But yeah, I'm going with that. Okay, I like it. Transformer, a transformer cow suit with lasers. I also feel like that would make all the cows really proud. Yeah, they would be like. 
They'd be like, F you aliens for like killing like so many of us, even pew, though pew, you pew. weren't killing us. It was yeah, like weird just people like and some guy down and the street. Predators. Yeah. Yeah. But whatever. Like it would be some redemption for the cows. Sure. Yeah. Poor so, cows. I know. Right. Like what did cows ever do? They just taste delicious. And I don't know if I had a cow, but like my own cow. Yeah. I would never in a million years let anybody hurt it. Well, yeah, no. Would because be like, it would be your cow. You would be my talk cow. to it and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I have I this it. husband that like is a little wild and over meat. So <laughs> I, I will never get a cow because I feel like that would be a struggle that I wouldn't want to have with my husband. <laughs> that, would, that would be a bad day. A, I'd be a like dark time. It'd be a dark time. I'd be like any other cow on it. But, you know, I have a lot of chickens. You do. And he never, ever would hurt one of my chickens. They have survived. Yeah, he wouldn't. He knows. But a cow is like a whole kind of like another level. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. And you need like a real area to do that. You know, I need like a full ranch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let, let me just tell you, land on Guam is a little scarce. But there are cows here. Yeah, there are cows. There's, there's a few. I it creeps me out here though how people tie up their cows they own right next to the road. Yeah. Like, there's no fence. No. They're just on a lead. To they're cleaning. And they just like they're just like a, you see like a circle. Yeah. And that's a crop circle because it's a, <laughs> it's cow, actually, it's a cow. That's a Guam crop circle right there. <laughs> yeah. Just right next to the road. Yes. And I'm always like, oh my God, like this is so scary to me. But, I don't know. I think my kids are like, cow, you know, because yeah, they yeah. hardly see them. When we were driving, when we drove from uh, Arizona mm-hmm. to Oklahoma. Oh no. Let me just tell you, I mean, about 10 hours in, my kids are like, cows. <laughs> like, there were just so many cows along the way. Like the first time, look, it's like the most exciting thing ever. I'm like, look, brown cows, look, black cows, look. And then for a yeah. while, they were like, can we count how many? And then, yeah, once yeah. we hit like Amarillo, oh, they were just like. They were over it. They were so over it. Like, I think that's the thing, too, is that people here don't have their cows and herds. It's just one cow. It's a cow. It's You own a cow. Yep. And it eats the grass. Yeah. No alien abduction or alien cow right? mutilation stories on Guam. I mean, or are there? <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, dun. To be continued. <laughs> Amazing. Anyway, well, everyone go rewatch The X-Files. It's good stuff. Apparently. <laughs> Try and guess what, what my next episode will be. I Um, I can't wait. So stoked. Thanks, Megan. That was super interesting. I appreciate all your research. I had no idea we were going to talk about cow mutilations (laughs) for so long (laughs) and that I would know so much about it. It's a lot. I mean, I just thought, you know, a lot of people talk about alien abductions and but what about the cows? Yeah. Seriously. What about them? It's so sad to me. Anyway. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. You're Gonna Die Out There is produced by us, Jen and Megan, and edited by the talented and super nice guy, Jonathan Pillsbury. Thank you, Jonathan. Yay. Yay. Uh, All of this is possible because of an amazing group of Nature Nerd patrons. If you would like to be part of our super cool nerd community on Patreon, just go to our website at you'regonnadieoutthere.com, or you can check our link tree on our Instagram page, which is kind of amazing. It is. I'm sorry. But it is. Uh, another way you can support is by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. Uh, if you do, Jen will send you a really kick-ass sticker. You just have to send us your mailing address. I will do it. If I forget, hey, if you left us a review and I didn't send you a sticker, send us an email. Let me know. Just let me know. Uh, also, we would love to hear from you. We get a lot of our stories from listener suggestions. A lot. 
We kind of steal them. All the time. Yeah. Because um, they're so good. So if you would like to do that, go to our website. We have a contact page at you're going to die out there.com or an email. You're going to die out there at gmail.com. And at the beginning of the episode, we give you a shout out. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And until next time. Don't die out there. Bye. Bye. Bye.